Hello and welcome to In A Different League, the official podcast of the original fantasy football game. We're your hosts, me, Jesse Parker Humphreys. And me, Chris Pilau. And here's what's coming up on this week's show. We look back on game week 21A at the halfway point of this Premier League winter break before seeing what's coming up in game week 21B. Trevor Farnham joins us to talk dictatorships, gavels and tantrums in the Lager Drinkers Combination League. And Neil Mansfield joins us with all the usual business, updates, news, explanations and everything that puts us in a different league. So Chris, a bit of a quiet week in Fantasy League land, in Premier League land and for me at least sort of a quiet, for my league as a whole actually, a quiet week points wise. I ended up with four, uh, Marcus Rashford got me a goal and then I got a porro assist but lost some points obviously for the goals they conceded. I did also something that I'd never done before to preserve my points and I didn't play a centre-back who was playing. I put Sven Botman on my bench and I'm glad I did. So you've since got more than four defenders? Yeah. Because most of the season you were on the four defender rule. Yeah, I've, I've realised that I think I basically felt like I had four defenders because I keep forgetting I have John Stones because he's always injured. Mm. So it's felt like I've not... But then I realised I had him and that I could just play him. Nice. So that's what I did. And I felt vindicated when Oscar Bob scored that late winner for Manchester City. That would have wiped out half my points for the week. Yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up that game because that's the only game where I I actually kind of existed this weekend. Even though half my squad played, I think, um, it was just my two Man City players that contributed to my total score of two points. So that was Bernardo Silva, goal, three points, Nathan Ake, minus one. And that was it. That was the only Well, thing yeah, that's that, kind that of I like did. me with the United-Spurs yeah. game. Interestingly, if I look at the week league table of how my league did this week, it doesn't look like a half week. You know, there were a couple of players, a couple of managers who got double point scores, 13 points, nine, seven, five. You do see those scores normally, although there are, are a couple at the bottom on minus points. But yeah, it, two points... It isn't great, you know, if you double that, four points. But I'm, I still kind of see us as halfway through the weekend. Well, listen, Chris, be glad that you're not my sister because in a league where everyone got the highest score this week was six points, the lowest score this week was four points, unless you're called Emily, who got minus five. Ooh, how did she manage that? I assume she must have some defenders. Share uh, and Trippier. Again, yeah. that, one, that one game and Anana. this weekend, didn't it? Like we said, half the game week to come up. I labelled it as game week 21A in my uh, league, with game week 21B to come. Yeah, but before we move on to that, I mean that keep kind of like the magnet keeps bringing us back to that game. That was sort of like well, those two games, but that first game in particular, Newcastle-Man City was obviously the highlight of the weekend, I think. But also it set off a few signs, I think, of what's to come or what's been happening at least for the last few weeks. And that's from a Newcastle and Man City point of view. Um, And it had us searching and like rummaging around in our league um, because Man City just look like they're in the middle of their thing that they do every season now. And it had us rummaging around like what Man City players are actually available left in our league. And the list, you know, it's not pretty kind of like... The players that were mentioned, I didn't even quite realise, were still at the club. There's no one left, really, to go for in our league of, for Man City. And Newcastle Does that mean someone's got Oscar Bob? 
apart from Oscar Bob. But the thing is, if you've got two Man City players, you know, what are you going to do? Going to really be desperate. Although a guy at the bottom of the league doesn't have a single Man City player, and I think that that explains itself really. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I haven't gone through and, and seen. I'm sure we'd probably have some people available. I've doing stupid things like hanging on to John Stones for for no apparent reason. But yeah, it is. It is hard. I think, especially because it feels like. And I don't know if you get this sense, Chris, but I feel like so far this season we've had a lot of teams being in and around the top of the tape. I think there's sort of been eight or so teams that have felt like they could potentially push on towards Champions League spots. And I think it really feels like we're starting to see sort of that top five break away. And, you know, sides like Newcastle and Brighton, who earlier on in the season sort of felt worth taking bets on and they were picking up points. Like I I definitely had this with like my fast start to the season was, you know, powered by sort of Ferguson and Matoma and I know obviously Brighton didn't play this this part of the thing, but you know, that just feels like an example of where like those teams are sort of falling away and the points drop away with them. Mm, and it's quite funny in Fancy League because you start the numbers in some of those squads that aren't really gonna you think aren't gonna last the distance and aren't gonna make it. They start tumbling down a bit. So the Newcastle's numbers in our league have been going down every month, every time we've had a transfer window. But now's the time of the season where people are actually starting to look to the real, the bottom of the, the table sides. So you're kind of like, you're starting to ignore a bit maybe the mid-table ones, the ones you can't really trust. But then you're looking at the bottom of the table because the ones who are actually fighting for their lives, you're starting to think, OK, well, actually, maybe I will go for their forward something that you wouldn't have done at the start of the season. So something like the tables have slowly turned now and we're starting to see some teams get abandoned, either by choice or not. And with Newcastle, it's kind of a combination of both. Um, I mean, you brought up just before we started recording that it looks like Joe Linton's season is over. So there'll be no be no surprise that people will be getting rid of him if they've got him. But you've got a sense with Newcastle as well that last season you could rely on having their defenders. I mean, you're not even playing the defender that you've got on your squad. So we're starting to see signs now. Definitely. Um, I just, I must shout out Chelsea though, as maybe one of those mid-table teams who seem to be on a better run of form, despite having had a fairly kind run of fixtures. The win over Fulham was a strange game. Obviously, Chelsea kind of dominated lots of it. And then in the way that they like to do, had this sudden panic that they realised they were one up with 20 minutes to go and let Fulham come onto them. But they managed to hold on. I think aside from Liverpool, they've won the most... Premier League points got the most Premier League points since the start of December so we're above 10th which I'm feeling just looking at that ninth (laughs) position can't stop looking at it beautiful but it's hard in Fantasy League to know which Chelsea players to really focus on you know who do you build your team around apart from Cole Palmer I don't I haven't really had a Chelsea player all season and obviously some of those attacking players have disappeared I don't have a choice now Um, but I don't really get a lot of FOMO with Chelsea I mean, when the when the when the game week started over the weekend, it was sort of like one game a day. At one point, you know, Burnley Luton didn't have anyone playing. Chelsea Fulham didn't have anyone playing. Um, it, it was quite frustrating to have to wait until Newcastle Man City. But when Chelsea play, I don't sit there being like, "Oh, I'm going to miss out load on loads here," or that it's going to impact my league massively. That someone's going to take massive advantage, apart from the guy who's got Cole Palmer, because. The points seem to be spread quite evenly with Chelsea across the league. So I kind of, I've already said that I'm not really impressed by Chelsea or Liverpool at various points this season. Well, mind the gap, Chris. That's what I say. Um, your team are first up 
next mm. weekend. First How up, do you feel about your trip to trip to the Emirates? Away to Arsenal. Not great, really. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of chat in the FPL world. Um, <gasps> I know it's kind of like left a bit of a gap there for producer Simon to put in a little. Yeah, it's <laughs> whatever he he can he needs to do with that. And everyone's kind of piling on this, you know, saying, "Oh, put Saka in as captain this weekend. Put Saka in as captain." They're kind of seeing Palace as a bit like prime for the picking, and and like and obviously, if you look at the facts, I mean, well, Arsenal haven't scored in the last two home games, I don't think, but and which actually kind of like make, means that they probably will now. Um, but they've also got a good record against us, against Palace. They won the last three, did the double last season. If you look at Palace as well, the way things are going, I mean, they've now dropped down to I think 18th or 19th in the table in terms of goals scored in the league, and it's mainly like Jordan Ayew who creates a lot of those chances. He's not here at the moment. And that says a lot that it's Jordan Ayew. I think that will surprise even a lot of Palace fans to know that he's he's creating a lot of those chances. It's not looking good. And there was a, a stage a few weeks ago when I was saying the same, but actually it was with the Man City game coming up. I did have the feeling then that actually the way the way that, they, that Palace were playing, they could frustrate uh, Man City. And actually they did in that game. I don't really feel that the same thing as... Well, the same case this week. What worries me with Palace as well is that other teams' fixtures, fines and penalties, everything that's going on with Forrest and Everton at the moment, is starting to enter the conversation with Palace fans. And that's not really kind of what we want to be doing is looking at how the other teams are performing. And that's kind of a bit of a worrying sign. Someone shared like a goal the other day and it was like this 20-player pass move under Patrick Vieira at the early start of his reign. And I wasn't. I was kind of like one of the first to not completely trust or rate Patrick Vieira, to be honest. But it was a clear contrast to the way that we're playing under Hodgson uh, now, and we're definitely hobbling at the moment. And a lot of that's got to do with injuries. But it, it kind of is starting to feel a bit desperate now, and we, we are de- basically hobbling to the end of the season, hoping that enough clubs around us will get points deductions that we'll stay up and then wait and see who the next manager will be. So yeah, times aren't great at Palace at the moment. But it's interesting that it's against Arsenal, who uh, Palace have been heavily linked with getting at Eddie and Ketia, and that's something that could take form over the next uh, couple of weeks. Palace desperately need a forward, desperately need a couple of other players as well, and it's whether they can do that, whether they can afford it, or whether Palace will end up with a 20-point deduction. For, for daring getting the wallet out. I mean, I will say, Arsenal have only kept two clean sheets in the Premier League since the start of November. And I, I can see why Palace might might be the team to buck the, the trend on that one. But I think this comes back to sort of what we were saying about this, the feeling of like how hard it is to find useful defenders. You know, like when I've been dropping Sven Botman up, but only to play an injured player because it just feels very hard when... You're looking across, you know, Arsenal defenders again were sort of like they felt like real bankers early on in the season, and I, I, I was kind of quite surprised to see. I mean, look, they're not conceding bags of goals; it's sort of one or two in in their games. But again, it just makes it much harder to pick up points, right? When you're basically almost that's why the FA Cup weekend was so exciting with all the defensive points that came in because at the moment it just feels like it's very very hard for for any defenders to to pick up points um because lots of teams seem to be conceding goals at the moment unless you're Everton of course Everton mm. look like well you know they've played now they're not playing this weekend but Everton are picking up more clean sheets than anyone at the moment so Unai Emery's first ever Premier League nil nil oh really I think so I'd be happy if he got his second 
this weekend. What impact do you think the threats of sanctions, I guess on Everton it's a little bit different because I feel like Everton are off sort of doing their thing, but obviously Forrester, the other team, who sort of ha- have this hanging over them. And I think the Premier League set the sort of appeals date as like a week after the season's ended. So there's kind of this possibility that we're going to go to the end of the season and not really know who's going down and who's going up. Forrester going to Brentford, who've also sort of been on the struggle bus recently. Do you think it could have sort of a galvanising effect for Forrest in the way it has for Everton? Well, they could double up on the fact that they've obviously got this new manager who has started well in Nuno and will create this siege mentality that he kind of already has. And I think you can do that as a manager. It's interesting to make a parallel to Fantasy League because obviously in our league we have the Christmas sacking and we have the end of season sacking. And unlike in the real world, you actually know the date that that's coming. So you know that something bad is coming and that you've got to do something about it. And it makes it more dramatic for everyone (laughs) involved. Uh, But it adds a bit of sort of like a fighting spirit um, I suppose but there's only so much that that can do and you don't really you still got to be playing well and they're they're down towards the bottom of this the the league table anyway those teams because of the way they've been performing it's not like just because someone just because the Premier League does that to you that you're suddenly miraculously gonna motivate yourselves but I do think that that the, those new managers and I count Dyche in that because there is something new happening at Everton even though he's been there longer than Nuno um, that they can use it to their advantage. And it looked like, you know, Everton are proof of that because of, of the way that they performed so well um, straight after their deduction came in. So it'll be interesting to see if Nuno does do that at um, Forest. And Nuno is someone who is known for, which is quite interesting, was whether Forest saw this coming, but Nuno liked a small squad at um, Wolves in the same way that we've been speaking about Dyche has at Everton. So I think he will kind of create that same sort of us against the world feeling with the, with the 12, 13 players that he shows to trust. And it's a case of, especially from a fantasy league point of view, if you've got Forest players, keeping an eye on that. I know that there are a couple of games have been played already and, and he's won two on the bounce. Um, but just keeping an eye on the next couple of weeks, including this game against Brentford over the weekend, of who is this 11 that he's playing. And if one of the sort of like the forward players isn't fancied then I wouldn't then I'd kind of almost the way that Dyche does that at Everton I'd take that as a sign as this is the way that Nuno will now play till the end of the season so get rid if you're a fantasy league manager we spoke about Chris Wood last time because we were in the middle of my transfer window I did actually end up getting Chris Wood in my team and you said he may never score again but it looks like he's fancied and we'll see um, if he does yeah, I feel like um, if you're a manager who likes a small squad, being sent to Nottingham Forest is like the the worst punishment you could possibly, possibly get. <laughs> Looking at a couple of these other games that we've we've got, anything that st- stands out? I think Brighton Wolves could be interesting on the Monday night. Battle of the clean sheets. Yeah, I feel so confused about Brighton at the moment. I just can't really get a handle on like, how I think they're doing. I think there's obviously an element of like they did really well last year and they probably overperformed in that sense. And this is a bit of like um, a regression to the mean. But it feels like they're always not doing very well, but they're still quite high up in the table too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mentioned FPL at the start and I'm sorry to mention it again. But again, there's lots of people starting to think, okay, what are we going to do with these Brighton defenders? 
and at least in FPL, you can, you know, you've got the luxury of the bonus points and everything, and the way that they're playing and the way that they breathe gets a certain amount of points. But even there, they continue to have question marks over the likes of Purvis Estupinian, who may have started to enter a lot of uh, fantasy league squads if he wasn't being held on by the managers while he was out with injury. Um, and it's kind of like whether we play them or not. Um, they're certainly a team in our league where a lot of the defenders and the goalkeepers have disappeared. And I said that battle of the clean sheets. I mean, Wolves have only failed to score once since the first game week. You know how much I love Wolves, Jesse. Uh, they scored like, they scored seven in their last two games. Pedro Neto is back, so I, I can see both of these teams conceding on Monday, and so I wouldn't really be looking at the defenders but like you said just because the team is conceding doesn't mean that they're, that they're not playing well Brighton was so ridiculed because of that clean sheet stat but they continue to pick up points it's just they will concede goals along the way yeah all I'll say about Wolves which I mean I, you can take or leave this I guess you can I think look at these fixtures either way it feels like if they can if they are feeling confident, if they are ready to go, they've obviously got Brighton and then they've got United, Chelsea, Brentford, Spurs. And traditionally, you'd look at United, Chelsea and Spurs and say, oh, that could be tough. But given where all three of those teams seem to be at at the moment, you could also look at those as, as I think, opportunities for Wolves to at least score, even if they're not going to win. So I feel like, yeah, particularly like Neto, especially if some, you know, obviously a player who's been out for a while, um, therefore might be available, might be someone worth looking at. I I just want to quickly as well talk about Sheffield United, because I was kind of eyeing up, I think he was the first new player to enter Fantasy League land in the transfer window. And this is Ben Berrettan-Diaz, who's joined at Sheffield Mm. United. And he kind of what I said a, a bit earlier about, you know, do you start targeting the forwards in these teams at the bottom of the table because they're kind of fighting for their lives? And, you know, Sheffield United haven't been playing particularly well, but they've had a few more weeks under their belt now with Chris Wilder. And we'll start to see. We'll start to see whether Brereton Diaz coming in jeopardises Cameron Archer, who has created a lot of chances for Sheffield United, but hasn't really scored enough. Um, but also he could be someone who could be on penalties. I mean, he hasn't had a great time of it at Villarreal. We kind of have to see where he plays, whether he plays out on the left or whether they do use him as a central striker. But I'm interested to see. He was such like a really good like outlet when he was playing in the Championship in England, um, especially a counter-attacking, holding up the ball. You can see why they've gone for him. And I hope he hits the ground running and he starts entering a few fantasy league conversations. Yeah, I definitely think someone who it's going to be really exciting to see how he does do in the Premier League. I think it's a bit of a shame it's at Sheffield United. But again, talking about potential points deductions, if you're Sheffield United and it's a normal season, you're probably already thinking, you know, the eight points between them and Everton is, is quite tough to overcome. But if you think Forrest or Everton could get further points deductions, suddenly everything becomes a lot closer to you and I think obviously to a certain extent you've just got to go and try and pick up as many points as you can but it must be helpful to think oh in the back of the head that gap might not be as big as it looks and maybe we just need to sort of start like winning you know one or two games at the very least to try and push up and put pressure on those sides Um, I mean obviously at the moment it it's the three promoted teams in the relegation Mm. spots so it's going to be very interesting I think to see if sort of the the big hand of the Premier League has a bigger impact than the, the footballing one. I think we'll, I, I've also got a horrible premonition now that at the end of the season and for seasons to come, there'll be like alternate 
league tables that will be like shown by the fans of these clubs that will have a league table and how it finishes with the points and there'll be loads of asterisks towards the bottom end but then you'll have like Forest fans and Everton fans showing what the true league table actually was like what they actually where they would have finished had they got all the points that that, that they earned over the course of the season so I hope that there aren't loads and loads of penalties that come in and that that starts to enter the conversation too much be very um, Sheffield United and West Ham with Tevez. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we still talk about that. We still talk about the ghost goal from a couple of seasons ago. Exciting year ahead. And (laughs) and the one game we haven't spoken about, uh, just before we wrap up, Liverpool are playing this weekend against Bournemouth. I said exciting year ahead. There is someone who is convinced in my league that Kylian... I mean, it's not going to happen. That Kylian Mbappe uh, will... (laughs) We'll go to Liverpool now, like this January, and all the chat that's been happening is because you know there are big moves happening. I mean, it's not going to happen, but at some point, I think we will see Mbappe in the Premier League this summer, if it's not in January, uh, if he doesn't go to Real Madrid. But there is a lot of talk with Liverpool, and it created a bit of a debate because not only does one person think that it's going to happen to Liverpool, but another person thinking that he should be going to Arsenal now at all costs, that um, Arsenal should be getting him in. And it's a great way to think, you know, they're but they're almost thinking with their fantasy league hats that just because someone <laughs> kind of like is there, like we'll just go and get him. It's obviously not as easy as that. But the way that you're shaking your head, Jesse, you, you don't think I'm that just laughing Kylian at the idea Mbappe that is just going to turn up. The idea that Arsenal, who are you know really at their limit on financial fair play, are suddenly going to be able to turn around and yeah. bring in uh, Kylian Mbappe in Find January. 115 million behind the sofa. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, it would be fascinating for sort of the you know the Haaland and Mbappe sort of bidding wars would be, I think, uh, fascinating from an auction. Uh, perspective if if he did come um I think Bournemouth Liverpool could be quite a fun game I'm kind of with you on the Liverpool thing I think sometimes they look great and sometimes they look bizarre I watched them play their first leg against Fulham and I don't think like there was a lot of chat that you know sort of Fulham were unlucky not to hold on for the win or the draw but I thought Liverpool did it was a bit like the Newcastle game they did sort of batter Fulham but I think you've definitely got the sense that without Salah there's a sort of like lack of familiarity I think or a lack of ability to to bail themselves out in the same way and even though they managed to win 2-1 in the end in that game it certainly leaves something there for Fulham to hold on for and to to go after basically in in the second leg in a way that really given how Liverpool dominated you you didn't think they should be able to do and I I think the thing that was really telling was how vulnerable they looked on the break and I don't know where that you know I think defensively they've been sort of openish all season even though they've conceded the fewest goals in in the league it's again this weird you know the, the sort of the what the table says and the eye test feels quite different but I do think um could be interesting because Bournemouth really are like kind of the hipster's choice at the moment aren't they so mm. I've got Andy Robertson finally coming back I think he might come back this I don't think he'll be back this weekend but he could be back in January if not February and that's one of the kind of weak points that they are looking I mean they're without Trent Alexander-Arnold this weekend as well so they're about without their two main creators in Salah and Trent so uh, yeah Bournemouth certainly you wouldn't have said this a few months ago but the way that they've been playing and the way that they're set up now they could definitely cause problems. I'd like to think and I hope that when Robertson comes back, I mean, he'll be my only Liverpool representative, that he'll be able to help close the door at the back and start earning some clean sheets. All 
right. Well, there we go. That is um the the sort of five game. We haven't we haven't done a big chat really on United Sheffield United West Ham, but that's basically the five games that are taking place this weekend in what we calling this twenty one B. There we go. <laughs> we will be back in part two as we chat to Trevor Farnham. <laughs> So into part two, and we have another guest with us this week. This week we're joined by Trevor Farnham of the LDC, and we'll let Trevor explain uh, what LDC stands for. You can, you've got enough time to maybe make it, take a guess. Uh, but welcome to the podcast, Trevor. Thank you very um, much. And and we're looking forward to hearing all about your league. Excellent. Yeah. So um, the LDC stands for the Lager Drinkers Combination. Not sure how we ended up on that, but after our first auction, we'd all picked our team. Then there was this little thing that we had to fill in, um, league name. Like, what do we call it? And uh, yeah, we just went on lager drinkers combination. I think there's some non-league called the Southern Counties Combination or something like that. So yeah, we just done that and it's stuck ever since. And and how true to your name have you? I Can I imagine that it's it's it must be auctions in pubs then? where lager is obligatory. Does that mean that you have to be drinking specifically lager when the auctions <laughs> well, take place? That's um, a bit controversial at the minute because we've got um, the, the pub we go to, as we've got older, a few of the managers like Guinness now. Um, so the place we go to now serves Guinness pans, which is every year it's a, it's a headache for me because oh, we need to change our venue, we need to change our venue. It's the best room by a mile. There's no distractions in there. There's all the other chairmen around here will be nodding now. There's no fruit machine. There's no pool table. Just a load of tables, 18 pens and a bar. We've got our own barman in there who just serves us. So, yeah, there is a lot of lager goes on, but there's a few cans of Guinness as well, which upsets a few of the guys. But it's more reason to get out, to get, to get it done, get, get the teams picked and move on somewhere else, isn't it? Honestly, I think if you've got a problem with that, they shouldn't have joined a, a league with the lager. <laughs> I think the clue's in the name, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a big league, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got, um, we started quite humble. So we started with just five teams and three of the founder members are still in the league, myself included. Yeah, 18 of us now. There's fathers, there's a father and a son. There's two guys in there who weren't even born when we started. I think it's our 27th year this year. So yeah, 18. And then Neil, I noticed them on the podcast last week. One of the guys said that they've got two leagues, but we've got all our 18 teams in one division. So, yeah, I know you've done some jiggery pokery to sort that out. But, yeah, 18 of us. Uh, we've got different levels of competing as well. We've got one guy. We've got a few forfeits. If you finish bottom of the league, you have to get a round in, which, as you can imagine, for 18 teams, it's quite expensive. So oh, the wow, same manager's yeah. finished bottom the last two seasons and he's currently marooned at the bottom now by 20 <laughs> points. <laughs> but he's got, um, he's got 100 million. So after the auction, we all get a hundred million budget to last the season, and if you spend it, that's it. Yeah. So what one of the guys bought, um, J- James Ward Prowse, seventy-five million after the auction, which left him with twenty-five. So you've got to really keep your cards close close to your chest and not go too in, you know, too much too soon. But the guy at the bottom's got a hundred million, so I was expecting him last week to put a couple of bids in. You know, there was that new Spurs centre back and team over there, and I thought he's he's a nap to get both of these and didn't do anything. So I don't I don't know if he just likes getting everyone a pint, I'm not sure. Well he's saving up. Maybe we spoke in part one how uh, some people are bringing up um theories that Killian maybe he's waiting to spend it all on Killian Mbappe, the Killian Mbappe rumour which won't die. <laughs> 
this? Like, I don't know We've... where you got this rumor from. I think he's just started the rumor there, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Chris, is this you you've been talking about? Yeah, just slowly, slowly introduce it. Maybe just trying to get. Well, I don't know how I could take advantage. I'm still trying to work out how I could take advantage. Um, but yeah, is it Happy Jordan? Is it Crystal Palace? <laughs> oh yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Um, Trevor, you brought up um, the fact that we yeah we spoke to a different league last week uh, that decided to split themselves up into two. You did the opposite and brought yourselves together. I mean, it's no surprise maybe that someone spent seventy five million on James Wall Prowse because when you're in a league of eighteen, you've got to do anything you can. And when a player like that becomes available, you kind of got to snap him up because you'll be kind of going after the dregs a lot of the case. What's it like playing in a in a league of eighteen? And have you ever been tempted to split it up into two, or would it be too much admin? Yeah, it'd be too much admin. Yeah, so we started with five teams, then we went to eight, then we went to thirteen, and then we were at sixteen, and then we've gone eighteen. Like I've, I've, I've tested the waters with a couple of the guys. How much do you think if we get two more, we can go with twenty? But um, yeah, I think it would be that would be too. The, the auction days, like everyone says, the best day of the year, but it gets a little bit touchy towards the end everyone's had a few too many pints of pints of lager or cans of guinness <laughs> yeah it just gets a bit too much so this year i'm gonna do we're gonna do the auction as normal but the free transfers at the end the way we do it we get 150 million to spend of which 15 million's incentivized so a few ideas for other chairman out there everyone gets you get 135 flat and then there's 15 million incentivized so if you pay like a lot of leagues probably have prize money for the winner. So if you pay your prize money by the uh, last day of the season, you get an extra five million for the auction. If you pay your registration fee, then day before the auction, you get another five million. And if you're in your seat for when the auction starts, you get another (laughs) five million. So potentially start with 150. Just save me so much time chasing people up for money. Have you paid? Have you paid? Have you paid? And then logging on, everyone's paid. No one's ever not 15 million. It's worked, and we've had it for about 10, 10 years now. Brilliant idea for anyone who'd take that on board. So eleven, I imagine that 11 years ago, there were lots of late covers and people hadn't done it. Yeah, because you just want to get started, don't you, and get into it and then get gone. Yeah, so this year, we're just going to spend our £150 million and then I'm going to do the free transfers on the Sunday. So, yeah, there's no frustration at the end because yeah, everyone's like, who's got him, who's got him? Yeah, it just becomes too much and everyone's shouting at you. It's interesting uh, you say that. It's a kind of like, we almost need to, um, we might have to have a separate sort of corner of the podcast, a league chairman appreciation. Again, something that we brought up last week uh, when we had two people featuring from the same league and, and there was one saying, look, I don't think people really appreciate how well, how much uh, the league chairman actually do. Uh, you're bringing it up here as well. I think we, we really need to sort of raise the flag for the league chairman out there. Uh, and all the brilliant work that they do. Uh, and yeah, you've obviously, you, you've come up with some things in your league uh, to make sure that, that everything ticks along nicely and that everyone can enjoy and have a good time. Have you always been chairman? Because I've we always... like rotate, for example. So Yeah, I've, al- yeah, I've always been chairman. Never wanted to relinquish. That... Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they'd let me. I always say it when people put, like I always say, it's, um, it's a dictatorship, not a democracy. So when they say, oh, let's do this, let's do this. Say, look, if you want to be chairman, I'm happy to pass you the reins. You, know, you run with it. That's brilliant. Then they always back down. Oh, no, 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 you, you do it best. But yeah, it's it's just a difficult day because I do. The, I keep track of everyone's money. I do my own team. Um, I've even done someone else's team when they've been on holiday. Uh, so yeah, it gets, it gets a bit stressful on, on the day. And then you have all the arguments in the background. So we banned... 
transfers between clubs during the auction. If you buy someone in the auction, they're your player. Say so if you buy three from one club, it's tough luck and you lose you, you lose the money for, for one of the players you bought and then no one else can play that buy that player on that day. They then go into the free agents, which works quite well. In the past, we'd have the auction and people would be like doing little, because they bought three from one club, they'd be doing little deals between themselves, not listening to what was going on. That's where the dictatorship, the dictator exactly. can <laughs> get his way. And so your league is called the the LDC uh, for obvious reasons that have been explained, but I hear that the WhatsApp group has got a different name and that's because of a controversial uh, moment which took place at an auction. Yeah, so that was uh, that was this summer. So if you take it back two summers ago, where I've just touched on, where if you buy three players from one club, they're your player. We had, um, at the time, joint most successful manager. There's two managers, Ira Brothers, One's won seven league titles, Andy. One's won six league titles, Mark. Summer before last, they were both neck and neck on six. Mark bought Trent Alexander-Arnold, Andy Robertson, hailed them the red arrows, and then it was his bid next. So he pipes up Van Dyke, 40 million, I think it was. And Andy stands up, no one bid, no one bid, don't bid. And then I was like, oh, should I bid 41 here? Because I wouldn't have minded Van Dyke. I've had him before. Normally quite reliable at the back as well, aren't they, Liverpool, unfortunately. So, um... Oh, no, I haven't got enough money yet. And then I was looking around thinking, oh, someone say 41, get him off the hook here. So I had to stamp it. He lost, I think he, I think he put Van Dyke back in the pool. So anyway, the following season, similar but different, that one of the managers had bid for Mares. He was on the list, but he'd left to go to, um, I think, the Saudi League, 10 million. And he goes, stamp it, stamp it. And I'm like, I can't stamp it because he's not a player. He's going, rules are rules. This went on for about 20 minutes. Rules are rules. The whole auction ground to a standstill. I'm not playing if you don't stamp it. I'm not playing. I said, look, I'm not stamping it. Anyway, he goes, right, I'm not playing. Screwed off his paper, <laughs> threw it away. <laughs> but he stayed in there to the end. And when we got round to his bid, I thought he'd back down. I said, right, Andy, your bid. I'm not playing. <laughs> I don't, you know, his bottom lip was really going. I'd a, had a slur for his beer. And then he stayed in the auction. But yeah, afterwards... He stayed there all day. Uh, when I was, he goes, "Oh no, I'm in the right. You're wrong." So anyway, on the Sunday, I came. To, I tried to put the start putting the teams on. I couldn't do it for whatever reason. And a few people texted me, "What's happening with Andy? What's happening with Andy?" I said, I "Don't know. He'd, he'd only bought Harland and uh, Nunes, so he was pretty much spent up as well." So I said, "I don't know what's happening with Andy." So I had everyone else's team done. Uh, Harland, Nunes, that was it. So I, said, so I spoke to a couple of his close friends and said, what should I do? He's not rang me. I've not rang him. He goes, oh, yeah, give him a ring. I said, right, I'm going to ring him. I rang him. I said, how are you, Andrew? He goes, yeah, I'm all right. I said, oh, what happened on Saturday? He goes, oh, da, 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 da. Yeah, we went into it. We went round in circles. I said, look, it's not too late to come back into the league. Everyone's asking about you. You can pick up your, your freeze if you want. And I butted him up about it. I said, you're still good enough to put a good team together there. <laughs> anyway, he went for it. And one of the players he picked up was Cole Palmer from Man City. He's gone on to join Chelsea and now he's he's keeping him top. So he's currently top with a team wow. of Dregs, um, Haaland and Nunes. Um, but the top of our league is really, really close. We've got, I think it's the top 10, separated by about 30 points. So it's pretty much anyone's at the minute. I'm in second. Got um, Chris Wood, hot and cold. Uh, Evan Ferguson, hot and cold, driving me mad with the rotation at Brighton. And I've got Calvert-Lewin as well, who I bought in the auction, being an Evertonian got faith in it faith in him and i've had him the last two or three years that's the thing when you buy a player sometimes you get a little bit emotionally i don't know if it's mm. me you get a no, bit no, emotionally no, it's not just me so yeah he owes me a season and he's playing which is brilliant now but he's not scoring at the minute but yeah i've got faith that he'll come good in my head i always think 
like the guy last week was saying, you've got your your premium players who you know will score, but you've got your players who yeah who blow hot and cold, and you pick them up in the hot spots and them back. And I, I think he's right to a degree because I've picked up someone like Joe Linton, put him back in the pool. But I think he's good for you know, 10, 12 goals a season because he's injured now. But he's only scored to a thought. If I pick him up, I'm going to get 10, 10 goals out of him by the by my mathematics. I just want to take a step back. The manager who, who refused to play, Andrew, did you say his name was? Yeah, yeah, Andy. Yeah. You said that you had kids playing in your league. And it's that, until you said that he that he took a slurp of his beer, it sounded like <laughs> a proper kid's, uh, kid's tantrum. But I suppose it yeah. shows as well how much... Uh, how much it means to him and how much it means to the managers in your league. Uh, you've been running for a very long time now. Uh, it sounds yeah. like you've got, you must have a really good uh, sense of camaraderie, even even if the likes of Andy uh, have the potential to kind of uh, <laughs> ruin it for, for wagon a tiny bit. No, it, 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 is, it is a good day out. Uh, yeah, he's one, he's one of my best mates, Andy, to be fair. He just gives me a big headache on auction day. The other thing that you, you mentioned as a controversial moment from an auction is... Agbon Lahore. I'm ve- like I'm intrigued. I-, I want to be taken back to Gabby Agbon yeah. Lahore days. The good old days. Well, but you you maybe not be surprised to learn it was Andy again. So we were in <laughs> a, a venue. <laughs> you were, we were in a venue and it was um, a bit of a gastro pub. So there's all meals going on in the background. You know, games of pool going on behind us, and you couldn't always hear the acoustics weren't weren't quite right. It was a big. It was a long room. So I was at one end and there was other people at the other. So I I could only put the money up for what I can hear. So sometimes if the bids are going higher, people like sort of say you know, 12, 13 under the breath so they don't want other people in the auction to hear. And um, that was one with with Bon Lahore. I'd stamped it, say, I don't know what it was, 10 million. And when I stamped it, he goes, I said 11. I said, well, I couldn't hear you. I, I meant to do it. And once the hammer falls, that's it. It's stamped. You know, there's no going back. And he goes, you're going to cost me the league. I said, I can't, I can't stamp it if, if I can't hear your bid. But that, that's sort of the rule. We bought an, an auction hammer now as well, so everyone <laughs> hears it go down. <laughs> it sounds like half of your uh, half of your job on auction day, and especially it is on auction day, especially is is just keeping discipline, uh, keeping everyone in check. That's, that's right, it's a dictatorship. <laughs> Brilliant. And so yeah, Andy's top of the league. Um, you're not too far behind in third place. I just want to touch on the fact. I mean, it won't take people listening in will. will will be able to guess uh, what part of the country that you're from. But it's quite nice. You said that you had quite a nice even split of Liverpool and, and Everton supporters in your league. I know that there are a couple of um, of others who have found their way in now. Uh, but just from an Everton point of view, uh, they're a team that we've spoken quite a lot on the podcast this week. You brought up the, you've already brought up the fact about uh, Calvert-Lewin. Um, but is that something uh, that a lot of the Evertonians in the league have kind of like rallied around and 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 will just sort of have you got a lot of Everton players that have been used up in your league or have they continued to be avoided? No, so I had a little look, funnily enough, uh, the other day, you know, to see who owns who. I think out of all the Everton players we've got, there's only one that's owned by um, a Liverpool fan. Everyone else is owned by an Evertonian, but they, they don't go for very big money. You've got Abdelay Decore. He went for one million. You know, he's obviously the, the goal scorer at the minute. But yeah, they don't go for too much money at the minute. It's not. It's not like the old days of you know when we had Kincelskis in the auction. You know, Tim Cahill, Gary Speed. Uh, they they go for for the big money. But yeah, so a few of the Evertonians own the Liverpool. See, see, we're not biased like the Reds. That the Reds won't have the Everton players, but we're not biased to uh, not buy the Liverpool players. I have. Uh, I wonder why that is. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's just because we're not biased. That's what it is. It's not. It's not anything to do with points that they score. <laughs> so I, I just want to chime in very quickly. It's Neil. Just um, I yeah. just looking at those um, looking at those transfers. Is it Beto? Beto went for seventy-two million. Yeah. So he, he must have been bought after the auction. Um, so if if you look at the records, there's there's a couple who've gone for a hundred, so they've been bought after the auction, um, and that's where you say you get that hundred million. You'll only get a once you've spent your hundred, you'll only get a, a free transfer if your player leaves the Premier League. So we've got um, got a guy Phil, who's the Man United fan. He bought Tonali, but he spent hundred million. I'm not sure he spent all his money on. Maybe you can you've got it there in front of you. But he said, oh, what can I do with Tonali? Said you can't do anything until he's. Until his contract with Newcastle ends, you can't do anything. Um, so he's oh, he's playing with thirteen players now, which isn't always a bad thing because you you some, like in our league as well. You can only field eleven players over the weekend. Paid you mentioned super subs. How's that work? Like like when you guys use super subs, do you like play your whole squad over the weekend? Yeah, so you pick an eleven per time slot, so you can. Uh, we couldn't, we couldn't yeah. do that in our league because we you can field eleven. So it's sort of you've got to manage your team as well. You've got to look at. Who your strikers are playing, and you know, do you fancy Calvert Lewin at home to Luton? Probably not. <laughs> or like I've got um, Chris Wood and um, who's my other striker, Evan Ferguson. So I sort of you know pick which two of those I want to play, or we can go four three three as well. Uh, but yeah, it just gives that bit of realism that you you can only field the eleven players. Yeah, I think we've spoken to a lot of managers who played super subs. So it's interesting to hear from from those who don't. There obviously is more work to do. I think there's more regret that comes with it as well, probably. Uh, so no yeah. wonder you've got the likes of Andy pulling his hair out and taking the game so seriously because I'd be losing my cool on a regular basis if I was having to pick an eleven for a weekend. Yeah. I think. Yeah, it's, it's 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 difficult sometimes because you can overthink it as well. Like I had, um, I've got Martinez from Man United. I've kept him. That's the other thing with a big league. If you get a player who's injured, you sort of loathe to put him back because you know that someone else is going to pick him up. So it's only like the likes of Ross Barkley went this week. But if whoever picked up De Bruyne in the auction, he's kept him. Because if you put him back, he's still going to get you 30 points from now. You'd expect 30 points from now to May, isn't he? So I want to ask you one more, one more question as well. Just having a quick gander at your sealed bids. Uh, I see there are a couple of massive ones in this week. One from Hayden and one from Brian for Dragusan and for Werner. So my question as a, to the chair, to you... Uh, to you, Trevor, is who's going to get better value out of the money for those two players? It's, it's worth Werner, isn't it? It's not. I, I wouldn't buy a Spurs defender. They're, they're all right, aren't they? But they're a bit too gung ho, in my opinion. I don't even anyone. know if he'll play. Van der Ven and Romero stay fit, but they've not been fit. After that's the thing as right. well. They've got that questionable injury record. Haven't they? They've both been out for two or three months, haven't they? Yeah, they've both they've just come back, haven't they, at the weekend? But yeah, I think Werner's definitely the one. But when Son comes back, it's whether he's going to play, isn't it? Mm. How long um, he's out? At this in point Asia. of the season, though, you just have to start making it's like the longer the season goes on it's almost like the bigger the bet you've got to try and make because the payoff could be massive but there's so little value to be found elsewhere you've, you've got to take the risk don't you and hope for the best yeah well that's, i think i will bid in for Werner of five million which was unsuccessful but only three three bids for him this week so we've, we've had rodriguez joined everton a couple of summers ago it was after the auction so there was all the hype on the whatsapp group of who was going to buy who and there was a few big players in there and everyone's like listen you may as well not bid for rodriguez i've gone full in on him 100 million no one bid for him we all outbluffed each other so you <laughs> could have picked him up for one million um <laughs> but yeah but, and I, there's been a couple of weeks in the past where i've just put a million in and you never know if 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 no one goes from all things i've not got a chance and they just don't bid so you could have got hammers rodriguez for one million and he, he had a decent season 
seasons, I think he got six or seven goals and similar assists. Look, we've ended up talking about Everton players, past and present. Uh, Let's see if Calvert-Lewin can get his scoring boots on for you soon. Chris was saying he hoped he got injured, so... I I felt bad. You know, I think he got his own back now. He came back into the squad, didn't he? He got his own back on me. Uh, I like Calvert-Lewin. I felt bad saying it. And I always think of it every time I see him, but... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway, maybe he'll score the goals for you. And if he comes off in the 75th minute, as he usually does, and Beto comes in, comes on and, and bags a couple for me, I'll be happy. Uh, but it was great to hear from you, Trevor. Great to hear about your league. I hope it's not too much of a burden on you. I mean, we caught you um, coming back from the school run and, you know, you've got a lot on your plate now, league chairman as well. There's plenty to be keeping busy with. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job in the LDC or is it the L? O C O G C, or cans of Guinness uh, combination. I was thinking um, if you ever had a second division, that's what you can call it the yeah. Guinness cans combination. Guinness, yeah. yeah, and maybe consider the second division, maybe consider the super subs, although it looks, sounds like. It actually sounds quite interesting the way that you do it with the eleven, and yeah, and we look forward to to finding out how you get on over the season. But but thanks very much for joining us. Thank you. Okay, so into part three, and with us as ever is Neil. Neil, how are you getting on midway through game week twenty one? All right, actually, yeah. Um, I had a, a decent, um, decent return at the weekend. Three goals, two clean sheets. Silver, Gordon, Palmer. And um, two clean sheets for Moreno and Pickford. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, he did much better than Jesse and I. Yeah. He nearly got a Moreno goal as well. It didn't take an hour to get this. I know, every time I, I look at my points and have a good week, I feel like I'm edging further up into my league. I'm now up to fifth, but I'm still about 100 points off the lead. But I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly happy so far. But I think fifth, I think the four teams that are behind me or three teams that are behind me are all within about five or ten points. So we're sort of, we're going up and down like a yo-yo, really, um, and the sort of the, the bottom part of our league. So it's good fun. Um, but I think what I would say is it does, you know, if you do find yourself in my position and miss out on the auction and find yourself picking um, all the dregs, we give any managers in that position an additional 10 million for a season budget. And actually you can, if you're clever with transfers, you can make a bit of a comeback. Or at least that's the feeling that I'm giving myself anyway. Edging up my league slowly. You won't get a points deduction for, for spending more than any other team. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, may, maybe that's that's what will happen at the end and everyone will say your, you know, your 10 million was too much or whatever it is. But uh, at the moment, no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy. I'm getting there. And I think, I don't know, a little tip. I don't know whether I mentioned this before, but I, I really do use the player and the stats page an awful lot and look at on a monthly basis, which players are scoring the most. Obviously, you should know that from, you know, from the results that appear every, every you know, Saturday and Sunday and your goal scores and your clean sheets. But um, having a look at, you know, the month scores really gives you a good indication of players that are in form. And I tend to use that as a bit of a benchmark for players that I'm, I'm going to bring in that are listed as free agents as well. You bring up the website. I think you wanted to touch on super subs to start with because we, we discussed it last week how we thought, you know, we actually, Jesse and I at least, thought it was a lot better the fact that it's not automated and you've, you've actually got to do something on the website. Small as it may be, select your super subs for the weekend ahead and actually just sort of like a word of 
warning or advice on that i think um about doing it at the right time yeah the the, the only word of advice is that it's it's a it's a really good facility being able to set them sort of 10 days in advance but i think um there was a couple only a couple of managers that sort of fell foul of, of a fixture rearrangement so they'd set their um super subs you know i think around about the 4th or the 5th of jan and of course, with the FA Cup game and and the replay, um, the Luton Burnley game was moved from I think the fifteenth to the the Friday night, and as a result, a couple only a small number I think there were only two or three managers uh, had their super sub set for fixtures further on ahead. Now, I guess one of the foibles of the system is that it doesn't sort of you know rejig the fixture. Um, so in the case of those two managers. Um, Players were were left on the bench rather than be bought on. So my my cautionary word of advice is that try and, if you can not to set your super subs you know ten days in advance. We tend to sort of set them for the weekends worth of fixtures and reset them on a Monday. I appreciate that's not as convenient for everyone, but uh, it does sort of allow then for any sort of fixture rearrangement that may happen. Yeah, league chairman out there, set out send out the reminder if you do. There's there's, yeah, there's some people in the WhatsApp league. group. Put it in the WhatsApp group. There are some people in my league who say that I shouldn't be doing that because they're like, well, no, they should know by now. They shouldn't, we shouldn't get a reminder and it should be, you know, but I like to set a reminder and I'd send it on the Friday and I say, just do them until the Monday. And then even if there are midweek, midweek fixtures, then I'll send the reminder on the Tuesday until the Thursday, whatever it is. Just regular reminders, go on the website, do it for the next few days. And yeah, don't do it for the we, ten days. For the I 10 can see, out. I can see why people say that. Over Christmas, my dad sort of like tiptoed into the living room and whispered in my ear, saying, "I don't think Emily's done her super subs. Should I tell her?" And I was like, "No." That's uh, all part of the banter, yeah. isn't it? You're, you're clearly very, you're very magnanimous as a league chairman, Chris. It's. Yeah. I tell you what, what we right. might try and do, we might try and sort of um, ping out a Twitter update. It's probably too elongated for a, for a long email, but I think if there are any sort of future uh, rearranged matches, we'll try and ping out um, a quick Twitter reminder for everyone. Um, if we if if we <laughs> remember to do that, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? Other than that, yeah, absolutely. You have got WhatsApp, or you've got the feed. Come on, you've got the feed. You might want to utilise in the game. You know that little sort of icon at the bottom right hand corner. Pop a little message in there to remind all your players to set it but there we go so just a just a, a gentle reminder and neil now that we're well into the new year we've gone past the deadline of being able to say happy new year but we are into the new year and we've got the new year to look ahead to uh, the end of season to look ahead to um now we're, that we're into the second half and you would like to bring up the medals that um will be dished out to the leagues over the course of the next few months yes so um, this is the point of the season where uh, we get the order out to our, our medal partner. Is that the right word? Our medal supplier. Um, we organise the the volume and the numbers and, and then we get those sent out before the end of the season. Now, we've had a couple of suggestions from, from sort of chairs and from managers as to whether or not, you know, these are still required. Now, this is just, I want to reiterate this because people will start going down, oh, this is a cost-saving debate. It is nothing to do with that at all. I want to, I want to set that store right, right from the start. There's nothing to do with saving a bit of cash. Uh, do people still use medals? Do people still want medals? You know, is it something that you sort of award at, at the, the auction for the following season or your, your end-of-season sort of celebration and give them out? Or is it something that really, you know, you you pop in the bin as soon as they arrive? I'd be really interested to gauge, you know, 
Jesse, you know, Chris, your thoughts. No, I know, I know. Well, I hope that's not the case. I, this this sounds like loser mentality. I feel like the only person who doesn't want medals is someone who who's never getting medals. Mm. I might I have. Know. I just, yeah. just I just showed off my medals yeah, in the yeah, room yeah. that I keep in pride of place on my desk. So I also like how you say to people use their medals like what are they wearing <laughs> them? Are they putting them on? A... Yes, maybe that's what we need, Neil. Can we get them posted out with sort of you know ribbons around them so we can wear them? That's as, a like, better idea. Instead of a little case, <laughs> that is a good idea. plastic case. Maybe we put them with a little ribbon around them and you have to wear them for your auction. Get onto the metal supplier now. Yes. The metal partners. So, so, so what people don't want then is a sort of like a downloadable certificate that sort of says congratulations. No. No. Because I would put that in the, I would put that in the junk mail. <laughs> but I'd put that in the bin. I wouldn't Neil, print it. Maybe you could do, um, you know, the videos celebrities do where you can pay the cameos. You can pay them mm. five pounds. Neil, what I want is a personalised message from you <laughs> congratulating me if I win my league. You know what? You know what? You know, what, what do they charge? <laughs> what do they charge for those? You know, I'm like... <laughs> well, I think anything from sort of five pounds upwards. Do that and then that will fund the ribbons that you could put around the medals and then everyone's a winner. Right. I goes no off brainer. to research appropriate sites. <laughs> Just don't yeah. get confused with OnlyFans. That would be a very different <laughs> I video. think I might already have been that. No, no, no. no. Stop, 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 stop. Yeah, we want medals, Neil. Medals is the answer. I don't know where this conversation is going, but it's not going down the route I expected it to. <laughs> right. Where, what can we move on to quickly? Something else. Uh, manual assist. I don't think there's much to debate. I think it was a really... The only one that popped up, um, the only, and it wasn't really that contentious, was in the Burnley versus Luton game and the Andouni, um goal. The interesting thing about this is that there wasn't a particularly good angle. Um, there was no sort of behind the goal angle on Sky or, or Match of the Day, BBC. So I, th- I think it's fairly clear that the deflected cross only really landed at the foot of Amdouni as a result of the deflection. And had the deflection um, not occurred, we're pretty sure that um, Luton Bell, I think he's number 29, would have cleared the ball out. So um, the assist panel did meet for that and decided um, that that was not going to be an assist. So I hope that clarifies that piece. I have added a little point into the feed and all the manual assist details. So um, it's in there if you want to to read that through. Brilliant. And let's see how many, if any at all, come up this weekend. Game week 21B, it's official now. We've said it three times, so it's officially called Game Week 21B. Uh, we've had the FA Cup fixtures in the week by the time that you're listening to this as well. So then there's the fourth round to look forward to next month. But we're up and running. The winter break will be over uh, and we'll be going from week to week now. I think that's everything for this week, Neil. Yeah, I, I, Jesse. There, there's not there's not stacks. It's been, it's been really quiet in support. So um, a shout out to, to Fred and Graham for keeping that going. They're doing a sterling job with that. It has been quite quiet. The new players, we're just going to add those as and when they appear. But I think as you covered earlier on in part one, it's been a really quiet sort of transfer window so far. So there's not a great deal to add. So yeah, we'll see those new players start populating in the league if they do. It was good. To, oh, actually, he gets a second mention as well, Ben Brereton Diaz. But it was good to see that you put him down as a forward. And FPL, which gets its third mention of the podcast, put him down as a midfielder. I mean, what are they playing up over there? They've got no idea what they're doing. But we know what we're doing here. We're in a different league. Thank nice. you, Jesse. <laughs> 
me. Thanks to Jesse. Thanks to Neil. Thanks to Trevor in part two. Thanks, as always, to producer Simon. And we'll see you next week. Bye.